Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Up Your Confidence podcast. This will be a podcast conversation for and by women to equip, empower, and elevate us to up your confidence every day to live our God-given potential. And now, here is your host. Welcome to Up Your Confidence. I'm your host, Lizette Zuno, and I'm delighted today for our conversation. You all know that uh, we try to talk about confidence as much as possible. And today I am more than thrilled to have my guest with me. We're going to talk about the science of confidence. But before we get started, let me uh, read her bio to you. So I'm excited to have Alicia Devere with us today. Alicia is the CEO of American Confidence Institute. She's a TEDx and Boston best speaker. She co-hosts the podcast In Confidence Face Your Workplace, a very interesting podcast that I really highly recommend. She's also the chair of ERG Leadership Alliance, which directly improves workplace diversity and inclusion. Using basic brain science, Alicia has helped over 350,000 to reclaim their confidence and be able to coach other to, to clients include Spotify, Wayfair, Panera, Pepsi, Staple, US Tennis Association, and the US Air Force, a lot of clients. My favorite part is Alicia is a best-selling author, seven-time best-selling author, I may add. And uh, her latest book, her seventh book in 2020 was about confidence is a choice Real Science, Superhero Impact, was endorsed by experts at Walton, Harvard, MIT, Yale, UC Berkeley, and top business thought leader around the country. Alicia teaches every semester at Penn Innovation Center. She's an advisor at MIT Trust Center. She judged the woman, um, the Stephen Woman in Business Best Employee Annual Award, and uh, she's constantly interviewed by media and author, as you can imagine. With great joy, she also coaches startups, nonprofit, and executive, and she is a proud mom of two very tall and one two very tall son and a very cocky rescue pooch. I am delighted, Alicia, to have you here today. How are you doing? Oh. I you know what? This is a dream to talk to another fellow confidence crusader. So, and Lizette, you are just such an inspiration to so many as well. So I am so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to get started because I always like to share how I meet my guests. And then I'm going to ask you one question about your story. So I met you through uh, the Della Woman Entrepreneur and you had a, a webinar and right away, you know, I was like, I got to have Alicia on the Up Your Confidence. I want to bring this conversation to our listeners. So I'm interested about your story because I always want to know what got you into confidence and why it's something that, you know, you are so passionate about. I appreciate that. Um, it, it's, it's interesting in the sense that I think we all come back to things that were sparked at us a long time ago and you can kind of figure out what the thread is your whole life. But 
um, my initial thread was that I was attracted to motivational theory and, and what makes people tick. I just was riveted by it. And at the time that I was going to college, the only place that it seemed to apply in the, in the track that I was in was in marketing. So I became a marketing executive, was very um, successful in that, did well in, in corporate tech companies and so forth, startups and the like. And so I was doing that as a career, studying this stuff on the side, kind of almost as a hobby. Um, about 12 years ago now, when my older son was diagnosed with a neurological condition, um, it literally blew my world apart. And what I mean by that is the doctors were telling me he was going to become paralyzed and they didn't know how to help him. They said that it was kind of inevitable, genetically caused. And so I went into a real spiral in terms of feeling guilty as a mom, helpless, didn't know how to, what to do with you know, the, this information. And the more doctors I talked to, the less confident I became because they didn't really know much about this kind of condition. They couldn't tell me what to do or if there was anything that could be done. And the things that they would joke about literally was that they would say, well, you can always have brain surgery. You know, I mean, that was, it was horrible. And what I somehow miraculously realized is that I was entitled <laughs> to go figure this out. Even though I didn't have a medical degree, I didn't, you know, I certainly wasn't a neurologist world renowned or otherwise and pieced it all together and started really learning about how the brain worked. And so was able to really find people who could tell me more and enough about the brain um, that necessarily weren't the most renowned doctors in the world. But the more I learned and pieced it together because what did I have to lose, right? I, I would talk to anybody in different countries. I would go and, and maybe they were medical doctors or natural healers, but I started to, again, put it all together. And then all of a sudden the renowned neurologist started calling me because they never explored these other alternatives. They never explored other cross-functional, uh, even medical areas. And it started to make sense. And now today, everybody's talking about things like mindfulness and, and how do you get you know, present and, and the, the, the things that happen to our brain in terms of being overwhelmed and having decision fatigue. But you know, eight, 10 years ago, I was starting to put this all together. And so uh, you know, the beautiful story is my son is wonderful. I won't say that he's completely cured, but he's not only fully functional, he is the captain of the college tennis team. He does all kinds of things that none of the doctors ever thought he would be able to do. Um, and then I started the Institute because people were so fascinated in this as it applied to human motivation that here we are now six years in the Institute. And we brought, as you said earlier, about 350,000 people so far, um, the beautiful science of confidence. Awesome, awesome. I, I'm, I'm so, I'm so touched. You know that you know something so drastic that happened. You didn't let go. You know, right there, you show, you demonstrate to that journey your own confidence. You know how you don't take no for an answer, and you actually go find the answer. And by you finding the answer, you are now able to impact so many other people. So just on a personal note, thank you for that. I'm sure you get thank you every day, but I just want to say thank you. And because for me, I have my own journey of how I grab into the whole confidence journey. But uh, uh, for me, I always feel like confidence is a muscle that you have to work on every day. So when I learned about that, it's actually a science. I was like, this is another level of, uh, <laughs> of learning, right? So let me also get into that. So let's get into like, what is the science behind confidence? 
from your opinion, obviously, what is the science behind having confidence? Okay, well, this is a very big question. I'm going to kind of boil it down to the essence and, of course, ask away and, and people who have questions beyond what we're going to talk about, you know, I'm always loving to have dialogue online, too. So the, 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 the core of confidence is that it is a decision. You decide if you're confident about something and you can't be sort of confident. You don't feel confident. You either are confident or you're not because you're making a decision yes or no. So I'm confident it's gonna to rain tomorrow or I'm confident that the stock market's gonna go up or I'm confident that I can do something or not, right? Now that's very academic, if you will, very black and white, but at the core is a decision. Neurologically, scientifically, we do make that decision. And sometimes we don't know we're making the decision because it's subconscious where we say, I'm gonna go do a podcast. I can do a podcast. I'm confident I can do a podcast. You make a decision, it's very conscious. But if you are about to, for example, go on stage and do a presentation, or you have to go into a meeting or ask for a raise or have a conversation that may be a little confidence challenging, you do make that decision in your head. And what happens, Lizette, is that when you make the decision that you are or you're not confident about something, it either goes into the lower part of your brain your reactions and your behaviors subsequently come out. We, we talk about lizard brain or the brain stem in terms of the very um, kind of aggressive or shy, defensive, protective behaviors that we see in people. Or you make the decision to go into the beautiful part of your brain called the prefrontal, which is right behind your forehead. And that part of your brain is where all your logic is, where all your ability to correlate and combine information and think creatively. So when you're faced with a challenge, something that's challenging your confidence, if you're able to recognize that moment, that amygdala moment, we say that very split second opportunity to say, you know what, I can do this. You put it in your prefrontal. If you're not paying attention or you're otherwise reactive, it's going to go down into the base of your brain. And subsequently, you're not going to act from a place of confidence because that behavior is there to protect you. I like the fact that you said that it's a decision because I'm an engineer by trade, you know, so I'm a really one zero person and that's a that's something I can gravitate to, you know, it's a decision and it's a decision that you have to make every time in every situation, you know, it's, it's a decision, I wake up, I make the decision that I'm going to go to this meeting, but when I get to the meeting, I might be a little bit, you know, not confident, so I have to make another decision, so it's like a collection of decisions, so what do you think, you know, because I like to talk about confidence is something that is personal, you know, it's a personal journey. And I think you, maybe it's a similar thing that we're talking about, but I want to get clarity on that. When you say that confidence is a choice, you know, mm -hmm. so it's a choice that I'm making. So what triggered me to make those choice and why some folks don't make that choice to be confident? Well, through our lifetimes, we acquire all kinds of data right? You're an engineer, so we'll get a little geeky here, but we acquire data. We, 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 maybe we go to one of the classic examples is you walk up to a stove when you're little, you touch it, you get burned. All of a sudden you have data, stove hot, don't touch, right? That's data. Somebody, you, you know, maybe you went on to try to sport, you know, and you got on the court or the field and, and you weren't very good. And somebody was like, that you stink at this, right? Now all of a sudden you have more data. I stink at that. Um, and you acquire these things and they actually build neural pathways in your brain 
that form the decision pathways. So then next time you step on that court, you go, oh, you know what? I really stink at this. So you go into that decision process already kind of predestined. You already say, you know, I'm not going to be good at it. Or maybe, you know, you had a bad performance review. Let's bring it up to adult life. You know, this is not just childhood uh, trauma. It can be anything. It can be, you've had a bad review and you say, you know, every time I get reviewed, you know, I just don't get the rewards I should. So you build a lot of this data in your brain database, essentially. And then your reaction calls forward, you know, something happens, it calls forward all that data and you go, oh, you know what, I've been here before and this is how it plays out. I've seen this movie, I know what's gonna happen. So you already have made the decision from that standpoint, rather than saying, you know what, last time I did that, the variables were different. You know, maybe I wasn't as smart or as strong or I didn't have as much experience. And subsequently you don't take in all that logical data and you, you just say, oh, I stink at this, I can't do it. So that's when people make a choice, even though, again, they're not really consciously making a choice, their brain's making a choice for them based on data that they've acquired. Now that data oftentimes isn't even true, right? If you get a performance review, for example, from a manager who's not a very good manager, that doesn't define, that's not a truthful statement of who you are, but yet we'll use that data as part of our decision bank going forward. And we might you know, actually pass it on to other people terrible example, um, but it's true for all of us, is how many times, Lizette, do you catch yourself making a decision or saying something or doing something? You're like, oh, my mom or my dad or my aunt said that, right? It's because that's some of the programming that's in our heads. So we do have a lot of that baggage, if you will, those neural pathways that, that formulate those, the data that helps us make decisions, even if it's not something we're aware we're doing. Can we overwrite those things? Absolutely. We can form new neural pathways. And that's one of the hottest areas right now in neuroscience now, I should say, for the last several years, neuroplasticity. We have the ability, we can create new pathways in our brains, new um, thoughts and beliefs and, and subsequently behaviors, but it takes a little effort to do that. So somebody who comes in is like, I, I stink at sports. Yeah, it doesn't mean I'm gonna make you better at sports necessarily, right? But you can actually re re rewire your brain to believe that you are possibly better at sports than you you uh, you were led to believe. Yeah, and now uh, I think you touched something that I was gonna ask, so I'm gonna ask it, because this is something that we do, like the whole self-sabotaging, right? Because yeah. we can be confident and then we spend one minute about, okay, maybe I can't do this. And I'm just wondering from a science perspective, you know, in the brain, what is causing us to self-sabotage ourselves so much? Oh gosh, good question. You know, and self-sabotage is all different flavors. There's things like imposter syndrome, right? Where you, you, you know in your heart, you're, you're probably as capable as anyone else, but you start to self-doubt it and you, you say, well, you know, I'm in this job or I'm, I'm a podcaster and I'm not nearly as good as everyone else, right? But inside you're like, well, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. So form of it, a fear of missing out. You know, you're on Facebook, we're, we're Zooming live, right? Yes. Somebody's like, dang, you know, I, I'm not half as smart or beautiful as Lizette, right? So we, we do all these kinds of behaviors. They're all forms of self-sabotage. So part of it is that when our brain detects one of three fears, they are triggers for that decision point. So let me explain a little bit. When you have a moment, anytime that you're gonna, you feel, you perceive you could fail, that's one, fair, fair. 
Second fear is that you may regret doing something or not doing something. So regret is the second. And the third is the big one is that you'd be rejected, that people aren't going to like you, that you're not going to fit in. So those three fears in particular, in particular are really, really powerful. And they hit our brains, particularly our amygdala, and triggers that decision point. So at that moment where you feel that you're not as good or you're going to fail or you're going to regret or somebody's not going to like you, that's that decision by an amygdala moment I referred to earlier will trigger and then your behavior will follow. So if I all of a sudden think people are going to think I'm not cool for whatever reason, I may go again down into my brainstem and start to get shy. And I don't want to talk in the meeting or I don't want to give the presentation because I'm afraid, right? If I think I'm going to fail, I get on the sport field and I'm going to look like an idiot. I don't want to fail. I don't want to let people make fun of me. Again, I go back into that kind of the caveman uh, lizard brain space where again, I, I, maybe I get very aggressive, you know, people who are nasty, usually it's because they're having confidence crisis and they're acting in their brainstem. So how does this relate to self-sabotage? Well, self-sabotage, look at the examples they gave before imposter sy syndrome, FOMO, both of those trigger a sense of failure, regret, or rejection right? It, it depends on the person. It depends on the situation. But if you're on Facebook and you're looking at somebody who's doing something wicked cool, and wicked, we say wicked in Boston as a positive, really, really cool, you know, and you're like, oh, I'm stuck at home on a Friday night again. I'm not doing anything. And that person's out doing something awesome. You're having that fear of missing out moment, that FOMO moment. It's because again, your, your amygdala has been triggered, failure, regret, or rejection. And you're going, oh, I suck. I stink. I'm no good. I'm you know, all that down into your lizard brain. So it is a natural reaction. It is no different than being triggered by a situation like being on the soccer field, for example, or a presentation. It's that same amygdala moment getting triggered. So a situation can do it. Other people certainly do it to us. And yes, you're right. We do it to ourselves, but the cause or the, I should say the the, um, the re result of it is it hits our amygdala and it triggers that up that decision point for us. And we're not so good about putting it up in our brain and going, you know what, I'm just as good. We just don't do that. We're not trained to do that. Yeah, so how do we hack our brain? <laughs> kind of like, I mean, hack, I'm an engineer, right? So how do we hack our brain to first be self-aware and say, okay, this is what's happening. And then next step, just like, you know, hack the brain to to stop it you know what what are the technique or what, I love can, it. What, what can we do i know i love it you know you said hack and you know the other day i was saying to myself but wouldn't it be great if we had the same tools for the computer as we did for our brain the other way around and that we had for our brain that we have for a computer like we could defrag our brain right get all the junk out our brain does a pretty good job at night getting a lot of junk out, but certainly not defragging all the stuff that, you know, the cat videos and the, the dogs, this and that, you know, if we could just get rid of all that waste, all the distraction, all the stuff that we don't need, that would be awesome. Wouldn't it be great if we could like clear our cache and almost like rewind stuff? Like, I, like someday somebody needs to invent those tools. So in the meantime, how do we hack stuff? Well, part of it is really being a little bit slower when those feelings come, in other words, when you're starting to feel like I stink or I, um, you know, I can't do it. I'm not as good as she or he, you know, you have those moments of the amygdala screaming at you saying, I don't feel confident to stop yourself right there and take a deep breath because breath is a beautiful way of disrupting that amygdala cycle. 
And then saying to yourself, I have a choice on how I want to feel. Okay. Back to this decision point. I can feel like a low life or somebody who does not worth it. I can feel that that's easy, but I can sit back and go, wait a minute. You know what? I have the same anatomy. I am the same. I'm a human. I have the same rights. I can do this. And you get logical about it. You have an opportunity to disrupt that downstairs motion and push it up into the beautiful part of your brain where you say, you know what? I, if she can do it, I can do it. Right. It may be a little scary. I've never done it before, but you know, the one day Lizette decided to do a podcast. She didn't do it that first day. She did it. And now she's doing it regularly. I can do it too. Right. So it's grabbing that fear and using it in a way to stop your reaction and make it much more logical by putting it in the part of your brain that kind of knows better, knows the truth. Now, I'll give you another tip on that, Lizette. Um, our tummies often will tell us. You ever have people say, go with your gut? Yes. And it kind of sounds a little silly in some cases, but the truth is our guts, our stomachs are connected neurologically directly with our brains. There's a very large vagal nerve that connects them. And one of the things about your stomach, if you start feeling butterflies or you start feeling a little nauseous, or you just have literally that gut feeling, it's usually because your, your brain is not paying attention to the signals. You know, there's something that that's not right, that, that your brain is going, uh, 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 Lizette, knock it off. And your and but your brain is like no 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 we're we're going into the brainstem we're going to act irrational because that's easy we can do that and your stomach's like knock it off so if we listen to our bellies our guts a little bit more in terms of what we really know to be the right logical truth then we can actually use that as again positive ways of using that fear to kind of knock ourselves back into a, a better place, you know, stop, don't, don't stop telling yourself you're not good. You're, you're fine. <laughs> so it's having that internal conversation with yourself. I, I, I love that. I love that. I want to shift gear and talk about, um, go back to the beginning about your personal story and what you have learned from it and what you can share with us. I have a daughter and I have a little son, but, uh, for me, you know, I feel like, um, uh, for us women, you know, confidence is uh, something that uh, gets shared down as we grow, right? So, we, and I think you mentioned that also in your TED Talk, where I highly recommend everybody to go listen to. And uh, so what about women in our brain versus men that make us uh, share our confidence as we're growing? I get this question all the time and I wish I had a really, I want, I want to have that functional MRI graph to show everyone, engineers and otherwise, you know, here's the difference in the brains, but you know what, there's still not a lot of data or evidence to prove that men and women at this level are that much different. What, what it really kind of points to is a social societal difference that men are just as needy of confidence as women, but it manifests differently. And when it manifests into aggressive, overconfident, um, cocky even behavior, we kind of accept it so socially. But those are all signs of lack of confidence. Women, on the other hand, you know, they're subservient, they, they apologize all the time, they do things that just kind of, you know, is a lack of confidence. And again, socially, we say, well, she's a woman, of course. So it, it's not that men are less or more confident than women. It's just that when they behave that way, socially we're, we say they're confident or it's not a problem. 
right? The, the my famous call, my famous uh, example of this, and you know, I, it's a terrible way of doing it, but it's so true. If 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 for some reason, Lizette, I couldn't make your your webinar tonight. Say I had a family emergency, right? And I had to call you up last minute and say, Lizette, I can't make it. Here's how a guy would do it most of the time. And again, I'm stereotyping and I hate doing that, but a guy would, Lizette, can't be on the webinar. Something's come up. We'll have to reschedule, right? Boom. A woman, tell me, how would a woman call you up? What do you think? How would they call? I'm so sorry. I couldn't make it. I apologize. Let's reschedule as good as possible. I, I'm so sorry. Oh my God. Like, please don't hate me. I'm so sorry. My, my, and then I have to give you the reason, right? My child, it threw up and I got to go clean it up. And uh, the big, right. Because I don't want you to not like me. I don't want to be right. The guy, yes, they're concerned about it, but they don't process it that way. They're like, you know what? Stuff happens. Got to reschedule. Was that, I'm sorry. I can't make it tonight. Let's move on. So again, it's not, it's a manifestation of behavior. So with that said, are women really, really apologetic? Yeah, to a fault. Are we subservient? Yes. And again, stereotypical, you know, your, your results may vary, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that I think we have to start teaching ourselves first so that we can share with our children, men and women, girls and boys, that confidence isn't a gender related thing that it is a matter of being able to recognize the things that trigger us to feel failure, regret, and, and rejection and deal with them in a much more productive prefrontal way. That's as clear as it is. Yeah, amazing. So um, I wanna flip and go into the workplace because I know your podcasts deal with that. And that's something that I will also recommend to listen because you know you can call in and ask questions and and uh, it's focusing on the workplace. So my first question is uh, around, uh, is society or I wanna say corporate America ready for women or even folks in general to be their whole self and be their confident self at work? Ha, huh. uh, well, you know, it gets mixed up in one of the words that kind of raises my uh, concern sometimes, which is authenticity, right? That's a word you hear a lot, TED Talks, books and otherwise, and it gets kind of wrangled in this word of confidence. And the problem for me is that whole self or authentic self doesn't give you the right to be a jerk right? It doesn't give you the right to show up and be like, girlfriend, that color on you looks terrible. Like that, it doesn't give you that right. And I think people assume that in order for them to be their whole selves, to be their authentic selves, they don't have any filters. They don't have mm -hmm. any social grace. And that is completely not true, at least in the philosophy that I follow and the science that I study that when you are fully confident, you are embracing people's needs as well as your own, but you respect your own as much as you respect everyone else's. And you find a way to harmonize that, you actively harmonize that. So that if I can give you confidence as a colleague, more than likely you're not only gonna give it back to me, but I feed my own confidence, right? Because I have the ability to do that. So perfect example is I, um, I work with a lot of different companies and I have clients all over and um, you ask somebody for feedback and good feedback, helpful feedback, 
might be, you know, I don't like that color on you for this reason, if, I, if you ask me for that feedback, but here's a color that I think would look really great on you, okay? It's still the same message as like, that color is terrible on you. It's just a much more positive way of doing it. I know it's a, it's a Friday night, terrible example. <laughs> Let me try and get a better one for you, your listeners. If um, you know, you're in, an, in, a, in a room, for example, and somebody's made a mistake in a presentation, right? this is probably a, a much more classic example. Maybe they misquote a number or statistic and you're sitting there going, oh my, that's wrong. If you are not a confident person, you might jump in and be like, Lizette, that's wrong. That's just not right. You're off by a decimal. That's not true. What's the source of that? And I know we have listeners out there going, oh my God, that's my boss. That's my colleague. Oh, maybe that's them, right? We've all been there. I call that smartest person in the room. A confident person might do it very differently or might actually hold their concern for after the meeting, if that statistic or that error doesn't matter in that context. If it's going to taint a decision, sure. Hey, you know what? I'm a little concerned. Can you give me more background where that number is? That's not the number that I've actually been familiar with. That's a confident answer. Better answer is after the meeting, hey, Lizette, you know, that number you put up, I'm not, I'm just wondering where you got it from because I don't want to embarrass you. That's not my goal, right? Not as if I'm confident, a smartest person in the room shoots you down, makes you feel terrible. They're not trying to be responsible. They're not trying to, to make everybody else feel better. They're trying to make themselves feel better. So, you know, that's the context that I think we see time and time again in the workplaces. People are protecting their ego. They're fighting for position. They're trying to make other people lose so that they can win. There's not a win-win philosophy. And so you see behaviors like that. You see gossip, you see all kinds of other um, you know, bonehead behaviors, as we call it, and in some cases, really vicious behavior that is designed to take people's confidence down. That's bully behavior, not confidence to make, not uh, behavior to make other people feel more confident. So uh, I, I, I love that because, I mean, a, you say something earlier and you just repeat it in a different way that other people that try to bully you or attack you, that's also their way of I guess, showing the lack of confidence pretty much. And so that, that's really important because we, society has shown that, you know, you have to be the loudest person in the meeting. You have to be the, I like to call it the jerk in chief, you know, and act like you know everything or the know it all. While for me, I feel like sometimes confidence can be quiet. It can be the quiet person in the room, just raising their hand and just ask uh, the most important question that drive the conversation. So, so I love that you say that. I know that you do coach um, company, people in company, but what are the company that you coach, what is their goal when they bring you in, for instance? Are they trying to get their folks to be more confident, to be bring their whole self to work? Like I'm trying to figure out, you know, for a company, what will, what will be, you know, the, the, the objective in, uh, in ensure that the, the employee, you know, uh, understand uh, the science between behind confidence? Yeah, so more than not, um, I do training, at, you know, kind of group training. And then depending on the situation, there may be individual coaching with me or some of our other certified coaches. But <clears throat> there's a, a recurring theme here, which is some people don't feel confident enough to speak up 
or to maybe in some senses bring their whole selves to work. You know, they, they are showing up, but they're not really, they're holding back because they are afraid that somebody's going to shoot them down or belittle them. And at the same time, those people that are doing the shooting are either doing it intentionally, okay, that's unfortunate, but in many cases have no idea that they're doing it, that they're making other people feel very little. I see this more often with very, um, what I call intellectually competitive industries. So engineering, right? <laughs> Banking, financial services kind of places. Um, any place that really is more about knowledge working um, as opposed to people that are out trying to, you know, build things or what have you, you know, the people that are there that are really, really um, intellectually driven, they have to be smarter than their colleagues to succeed. So there's a competitive edge here that if you know more and can move faster and can make other people slower and look like they're lagging, you win. That kind of culture is what I get brought in to fix. And so it's an awareness exercise for those people who are kind of making the, or that are the bullies. And for the people that are being bullied is giving them the tools and the language to be able to address them. So for example, if you're in a meeting and somebody does that smartest person in the room, right? You know, they, was that, you know, that, that's just wrong. You know, you clearly don't know what you're talking about and you're the, standing in front of the room or maybe you're in a meeting and you're like, I want to just die and crawl under the table, right? Instead of feeling like that, you take that deep breath, that amygdala moment and, and magically say, you know what? I could keep my mouth shut and not say anything the rest of the meeting and go in the ladies room afterwards and cry, I can do that, but I'm not gonna do that. What I'm gonna do is say, hey, Alyssa, you know what? I appreciate you bringing that to my attention. This is where I got the number or I will get back to you with the source for that. I do appreciate it and move on. You just keep moving on. So you choose again to gra grab that fear, that moment of I'm so stupid and go, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. I don't know everything. Nobody knows everything. I had that number for a reason. I will go back and check it and that's okay. Almost what I did before, not intentionally, but I think it's a good example. I went down a path on a, an example before in our interview, right? And I'm like, no, that's not it. That's not a good one. So you know what? Instead of going, oh, I'm such a dingbat. You know, you know let, let me give you a better example. And that's that decision point at time and time again, when you recognize that you are not bad, that you're not stupid, that you're not any worse off than anybody else. You're human. One of my favorite phrases in the English language is this self-compassion that's so misunderstood because it means that you acknowledge that you're human and everybody else is too. Yeah, you know what? If you can do it, I can do it too, or at least I can try. Oh my God. I It's my, one of my favorite things to say to like we human, you know, so it, it's the most basic thing for me. Sometimes when things go really all kind of way, I'm just just like to center myself and say, this is a human being and they're trying to do their best. You know, let's go from that. But I want to ask, you know, because we have the emotional um, intelligence, you know, we have the IQ, we have EQ. Uh, do we have a confidence a cue to be able to determine and measure, you know, our confidence? We do actually at the Institute, we have something called the confidence quotient. It is an assessment. We do use it. Uh, it is a moment in time though, unlike the other assessments, intelligent quotient and emotional quotient and any other kind of assessments for the most part, they are measuring um, a, a set of variables. I shouldn't even say variables, facts about people that you think or you behave in a certain way. 
So the output of those assessments are two things. One, they're categorize, they categorize you. you know, you're this kind of thinker, you're this kind of uh, personality, or you're this kind of, right? And they give you letters or uh, beautiful little emojis or whatever it is, and that's who you are. And the second assumption is not only do you fit in that box, but that's the box you're gonna be in for the rest of your life. You can't change that. That's fundamentally how those assessments work. When we look at confidence, we know a couple things. One, it changes over our lifetime, right? Depending on what happens to us and how we embrace it, how we utilize those things. But it's also situational. You know, I can talk to you right now and feel great. And then I can leave after this podcast and somebody calls me or something happens and I don't feel so confident because something happens. So it's very temporal, it's very time-based. So when we measure confidence, we look for either, is there something right now that has caused you to have a confidence crisis, right? Maybe there's something at work or in the family, or maybe you just don't feel good. Maybe you put on some weight recently. It could be anything that causes you not to feel confident, but we also make the assumption that it's fixable. It's fixable. Whatever it is that's making you feel lousy, there's a way to fix it. And when there's a will, there's a way. So the first thing to say is, you know what? I don't feel confident because I just put on the COVID-15. Okay, what are you going to do? How are we going to fix that now? Right now, if you think about it, any program that deals with, um, you know, whether it's alcoholism or smoking or weight or any of the programs out there, first step is, you know, I'm, my name is Alyssa, I'm an alcoholic, or you go to Weight Watchers and you say, you know what, I'm 30 pounds overweight and I'm trying to lose. But part of that process is also not trying to knock off 30 pounds a day or just stop smoking cold turkey. The idea is to take it little bits at a time. We call those small wins. Now, neurologically, small wins really juice up your brain and it makes you feel good. And so the more you get a small win, you want another small win, two pounds. I want another two pounds, right? And I think people don't remember that confidence isn't, you know, if you're not feeling good about something, you can't just all of a sudden flip a switch, hack it to an extent. It is a process, like you said, it's a lifetime thing. So every time you do something and you go, you know what, that was pretty good. I, I, I did that podcast, that was pretty good. You know, my next podcast is gonna be even better. You keep building that confidence quotient so that when you do get knocked off your block, like we all do, many times in our lives, no matter what, you have a little bit more reserve in the tank, right? Yes, this really stinks right now, but I can, I got through it last time. I'm going to get through it again. So that's all part of the quotient. Yeah. And I, 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 I didn't know that. So I, that's definitely something that I'm curious and I'm going to go check it out as soon as we get out of this uh, conversation. But it, it feels to me that uh, the more you get to feel confidence, you know, you, it's almost like you can refer back, you know, to your old self and say, okay, I was able to do this, then I can do this again, you know, I was able to do this, then I can do this again. There's one thing that you talk about that I like, because we're going to start wrapping up here. You talk about confidence crusader, you know, so why do we need confidence crusader? And what does that mean? <laughs> well, I can only say it in the simplest of way is that the most powerful, I can't, there's 30, 40 tools we've got in the book and the classes we teach There's all different ways to help people feel that little endorphin kick. We just mentioned a couple of them, small wins and so forth. There's lots of ways we can contribute to somebody's confidence, but there's one magical tip, said it at the end of my Ted talk, and I'm going to say it again. 
by making somebody else feel confident. And the way to do that is to just let them know sincerely that they matter, to, to make sure they understand that they belong in the world, that they're there for a reason and they matter to you. And it can be something as simple as looking at your child and saying, you know, I'm so happy that you're part of my life. Looking at a friend and saying, you know what, you make my, my world better. It doesn't have to be a big expensive gift. It doesn't have to be a huge emotion. It can be sending somebody a text right now. If you're listening, you're on the internet, text somebody and just say, you know, I haven't told you in a long time. You really mean a lot to me. That gift of confidence to somebody else is actually a gift for yourself. Because when you can make somebody feel confident, that's a superpower. That is what a superpower superhero does. And if you sit there and say for, your, for a second, yeah, I can do that. I can do, I just did it. I just made somebody feel really good. I just juiced up their brain with all kinds of beautiful neurotransmitters that makes them feel better about themselves. You, I can do that for other people. That gives me confidence. It gives it right back. Yes. So that's what the crusade is about. Yeah. And I can definitely testify that this is something that I personally enjoy. I feel like it's a tools, you know, even when I don't feel confident into in doing something and I just magically help somebody, you know, it always come back to you, you know, because for me, I see friends coming back, you know, when I'm really down, I'm going through stuff and they're repeating stuff that I used to tell them to me and I'm like oh okay this is working perfectly so just because of that I think it's it's, it's a marvelous thing you know because it's always come back to you it's like you training other people you know to be confident and when you need it they come back to you so when I read about confidence crusade I was like this this is like we're on a crusade you know because if I'm down on the journey somebody else can lift me up so I, I totally love that I love that one of the questions that I love to ask my guests, you know, because I can talk with you, Alicia, for like the whole day. But one of the questions that I, I love to ask my guests is really, what do you do to up your confidence every day? And I'm so curious about that question. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, you know, part of it is making, you know, making somebody's day every day. That is part of my morning, um, you know, commitment to the world. I get up out of bed and I'm like, Who, whose day can I make today? And um, that's part of it, um, for sure. I think the other part of it is really committing to this kind of work. I mean, you know, I'm sure that you, your podcast, it looks easy for people watching it. It's a lot of preparation. It's a lot of work. A lot of things that I do, there's days where I don't want to do it because I'm tired or there's just, you know, other things pulling at me that have uh, maybe more revenue or more opportunity. And at the same time, being really committed to the work and, and to knowing that it does make a difference. And sometimes you don't see it. Sometimes you don't get it back directly, but it comes full cycle eventually, right? Um, I got an email today and I should have left it on my screen to read it verbatim. It was a, actually a LinkedIn message. Somebody who saw me speak two years ago, um, she sent me a note. She said, you know, every day I still think about what you said. It was the best thing I've ever done and heard. And, and I, you know, I sent her a note back, I was like, you just made my day. Like, thank you. Like that's the full cycle. So, you know, making a commitment to something like this, you know, again, some, I bet some people may say to you, is that you're crazy? Why would you do this? Like it's nuts, right? Um, it makes a real difference in the world and it makes a real difference in the people that I care about because I'm a happier, better person and I can make them happier, better people too. It's a good day when you can say that. 
Oh my, and I can testify that I have been on the receiving end because uh, when I heard you talk, I was like, I want her on the podcast like right now, but I finally got to it in 2021. And I mean, as I pitch, and like you say, this is this looks easy, right? But as I pitch to you, you respond so fast that I was like, does she know who she's going to be talking to? Like you and, and, and your energy, I could feel your energy. So definitely you made my day that day and you made my day today too. So I'm so thankful for you and uh, for being a fellow Confidence Crusader, definitely. And it has been an awesome pleasure to have you on the Up Your Confidence. If there's any last word you want to leave to our listener, I will let you have that. Explore West Africa with us. Explore beautiful West Africa with this square adventure that is traveling with purpose. You want to make an impact with your traveler? Join us. We make it possible for you, our guests, to enjoy and discover three amazing West African destinations, Benin, Togo, Ghana. We offer an upscale experience, a beachfront, four-star and plus resort style accommodation for 10 days. If you're an African-American in search of your African route, or you're passionate or curious about Africa, its culture, history, food, and people, this is an opportunity you don't want to miss. What awaits you? Sightseeing, local markets, festive balls, local food tasting. Go to our website, www.cisqueadventure.com Africa is just a sign up away from you. The countdown starts now. I think that you are very inspirational in everything you're doing. And I would like to have people like look at this and go, you know what? We're normal people. We're human beings, the two of us, right? And, you know, whether you want to be a confidence crusader or you just want to go out and be, you know, a magnificent parent, a great manager, just commit to it, do it. And if anyone can do it, so can you. Because we can't, here we are doing our thing. I, I bet four or five years ago, thinking about doing a, a podcast was out of your realm of realization, right? Um, you know, I think that that's what it is. And, and uh, you know, we could tell stories all day long, how and why I got you to do a TED Talk. I was supposed to do a second one, actually, yesterday. Um, I got canceled with COVID. And you know what? Again, if, I, I, you know, you read my bio, people are like, oh, you know, she does all this stuff. You know what? I'm human too. So anyone who has a dream and wants to do something, make a difference, just do it. Just do it. So simple. Just do it. I have it right in front of me here. Just stop talking about it. Make it happen. Do it. And uh, I did it. You know, I got Alicia on the show and I'm super excited. 
this is a fabulous day i'm so excited thank you so much you know this has been a pleasure i'm gonna have all your information your tech talk and everything in the show note and uh you know this is this is awesome you know this can be a gift for a mama for 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 your kids uh, anybody can listen to this and they can they can really take a lot from it so thank you so much Anisha. this was great oh my pleasure for listening to today's episode. If you've enjoyed the conversation and find it inspiring or educational, please share with your friends, family, and colleagues because sharing is caring. And when you up your confidence, your friends will up their confidence too. Leave us a review and also follow our Facebook page, Up Your Confidence. We are growing and excited to continue the conversation. You can always DM or email your host on Instagram at Z Square 4 and Z Square on all other social media, or visit her website at zsquarecorner.com. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, remain blessed, and up your confidence every day.